This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino as we have a lot to talk about in this week's podcast where um, we try to put a bow and wrap up the winter season and some good ends to the basketball season and winter sports as well, while also try to uh, figure out and talk about the start of uh, something different in the spring, the football year, and how different it's going to look this year and just how different everything is going to be and what we're expecting from our local teams here with Loyola and New Trier. So um, we're going to try something different here in this uh, week's podcast where for the folks at home who usually listen, you guys know we like to mess around. Usually we do quarters, sometimes we do halves, sometimes we do periods. Um, but this week we're going to try something even different and uh, we're going to have pregame shoot around uh, kind of what we're going to talk about here, where we talk about um, the winter sports and the basketball sports, wrap it up. Marty and Joe and I are going to go through the uh, layup lines and see if we can wrap up the basketball season pretty well. Um, and then we're going to have two halves of a regular podcast. That's going to be a football preview show. We're in the first half. We're going to focus on Loyola and hear from the head coach, John Holosek. And in the second half, we're going to preview and talk about Nutrier um, and hear from Brian Dahl as well. So um, grab some popcorn, make sure you're sitting down or if you're driving, hopefully there's traffic around or something like that, because you're going to want to sit around and listen to this episode of the podcast, because we've got a lot of information to throw at you guys. And um, I remember those days in December and November where we were like, man, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to figure this out? Well, we've got the other end of this now where we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So um, why don't we get our warm-ups on and uh, let's start uh, passing the ball around as we put a wrap on the winter season. And why don't we start off with uh, the Loyola Academy girls basketball team who, um, as you guys know, entered last week's podcast where we talked about two big matchups against St. Ignatius um, to either get a share of the conference crown with either uh, getting one win or getting sole possession of the conference crown um, if they won both of those games. And Joe, I know you're at the final game of the last season. So uh, why don't you tell the folks at home how the Ramblers ended their season and uh, just what you kind of saw in the last game of what was a um, obviously a bizarre uh, basketball season this winter. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, first, though, I want to know, are you guys fancy layup line guys or are you fundamental, just put it off the glass guys? I think a couple, uh, a couple layups and then we start dunking around, you know, you got to get yeah, some dunks a couple fundamental layups, you know, just to get the blood flowing, get loose. And then maybe a couple jumpers. And then Michael, then like Michael said, you know, probably, probably taking off from the free throw line for a couple slams. Um, probably, oh, yeah. <laughs> probably a couple reverse dunks in there, you know, then, then stretch out the three point game. And, and then I think we're ready to go here, you know, get those, uh, get those warm ups un unbutton those warm ups, as Michael said. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's good to know, guys. I did whatever the coach wanted us to do because I didn't have the clout. 
Uh, I had to do whatever <laughs> to get in the rotation. So I made sure to play by the rules. Um, but uh, yeah, Loyola, what a season for the, for the Ramblers. Um, you know, they had a couple losses in the middle of the season where it looked like they were trying to figure out um, um, kind of the new lineup with Giordano. And I don't know if that's the reason that's just um, what happened. And then they went on a tear winning their last seven and the two last ones with St. Ignatius were the big ones. Um, the Thursday game at home uh, was a comeback win and, and that got them the Jesuit cup. So, and at least a share of the GCAC. So they got um, some hardware, which is really nice in, in such a compact and unusual season. And then they finished things up on Saturday, um, started out a bit slow, a lot of turnovers early. And then when they turned it on though, um, they really looked like the superior team to St. Ignatius by a pretty decent margin. And I think um, they were in the GCAC, which is a no joke of a league with Ignatius and Fenwick and Macaulay and Montini who had a down year, but has owned that division uh, for years. Um, so what a quality team that is. Um, like we've talked about so many times in this pod, the five starting seniors are all going to play college basketball next year. Um, and then they added um, a junior into the rotation transfer in the middle of the season. Um, Giordano, who's probably going to go somewhere um, the following year, nine seniors in total, um, just a heck of a team on both ends of the floor and uh, really shared the ball. No, no, you know, 15 point plus score. Um, they were all in that eight to 15 range in points per game Four members of the all conference team. Um, just really good team and, well coached and fun to watch. Definitely a very fun uh, team to watch. And uh, I know we've been saying this a lot, a lot uh, this uh, season, but um, kind of ashamed that we don't get to see just how far this team could have gotten in the postseason. I'm sure a sectional, super sectional, even maybe a trip down to uh, uh, normal, maybe in a different, in a normal year. Um, but um, obviously congrats to the team and to uh, coach Jeremy Shoniker on winning the uh, championship there, obviously well-deserved and uh, good luck to all the players who are moving on and going to get to a, uh, play collegiate hoops obviously we'll be paying attention and seeing uh just how great uh they do in their next level of basketball but um why don't we move over now and talk about the new true boys basketball team where um all they needed to do really is was uh finish business um on friday against niles uh west to at least uh earn a uh conference share of the csl south title and they did that taking care of the wolves uh, on uh, Friday to finish off the season there. So um, Nutrier um, guys obviously got off to that weird start, obviously didn't get a chance to play because of COVID tracing protocols and um, all that kind of stuff. But um, for a team that didn't get a chance to play for a solid week and a half and kind of got thrown into it, um, Trevians responded really well, obviously earning a conference uh, championship share with GBS and uh, Evanston and uh, just really impressed and kind of showed off um, what team uh, they were and just how good they could have been in a regular year this year. Yeah, that's another unit. And I think this goes without saying, but that's it. We definitely wish we had the chance to see all of our teams uh, participate in postseason play, but particularly with, with this team, I would have liked to seen what they would have been able to do in, in postseason formats, just because as you mentioned there, Michael, such a strange year for them. Um, we saw the, the early season layoff and then them really come back very strong from that Uh and the thing that's really interesting to me is we saw the two matchups against Evanston and we saw how closely both those games were and how well they played them. And then we saw Evanston go into the, uh, you know, quote unquote, unofficial state tournament there, the Chipotle clash of champions. 
and make a, make a significant run there. So it would have been really interesting, you know, if those teams were switched out and that was new Trier, just to see, you know, how they would have fared against some of the uh, upper echelon and elite, uh, you know, every year title contenders in the state. Um, so it, it would have been, you know, a, a unique situation to really see how the, the Trevs would have done not only in, in postseason format and postseason play in a regular year, but if they would have been able to, uh, to sneak into that um, clash of champions tournament, because we saw obviously Evanston did some, did some really nice things in those games there. I think we have a lot to look forward to, too, um, going forward at the top of that division with GBS Evanston and Nutria. It's setting up for a nice battle next year. Um, you know, Nutria or Evanston always reloads and GBS has, has quality, a quality roster. And then Nutria's juniors, um, and no disrespect to seniors like Will Geis, who had a great year, uh, but their juniors really stepped up down the stretch. And so I think next year we're going to see some, uh, some talent on the court. Definitely a lot of talent on that court. It will be fun. That, that division, like you said, Joe, will be a lot of fun. Just fun to uh, check out um, what uh, is going to happen there with a lot of uh, young talent there as well. Um, let's move on over now to the Loyola Academy boys uh, basketball team who uh, finished the season with a loss to St. Lawrence on Friday, 48 to 45. And then on Saturday, they went on to uh, finish the regular season um, with the win to St. Joe's uh, 56 to 50. And uh, we were kind of talking about this guys before the podcast where um, obviously at the beginning of the year, we knew Loyola was going to have a completely new lineup. We knew that Loyola um, was going to have a lot of adjustments to make. And we saw that in the first game against Maine South, but then, uh, in the middle of the season, um, they were really able to kind of get it going and kind of get uh, the momentum going. And then toward the end of the year, I think playing so many games and so many nights kind of caught up to the Ramblers toward the end where um, they didn't get a chance to uh, compete for a conference title. And it, it seems just it kind of caught up to them. But um, still overall, I would think you guys would agree that it was a good season for the uh, for the Ramblers. And um just in a year where you have an NBA schedule where you have three games and three nights and that kind of stuff, it seems like it's just going to catch up to you no matter how well conditioned you are. Yeah. And I think they, you know, they were rebuilding is not the right word, but they were reloading from, from a senior heavy team a year ago too. So uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of new scorers in that starting lineup trying to figure things out. So to do what they did in such a condensed time, I think is really a testament. Um, one of the coaching, I think we've talked about, um, how much we respect what um, Coach Levitino does. Um, but, yeah, just that program in general, how the next man up um, platform really works for those young guys just filling in. And, and you know, they beat DePaul Prep, as you just mentioned. They, they had a, 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 some nice other wins throughout the conference um, and played every team tough, um, which we come to expect for, from Loyola. So pretty cool stuff. Wish we, I wish I could have seen that team a little more. Um, but just because, you know, when you're in every game, that's – it makes it a lot more exciting. So, um, you know, congrats to them on that nice season. And then let's finish things off basketball-wise for the year with the Nutria girls basketball team where they uh, finished off the year with a couple wins against Niles West, 38-26 to 26 on uh, Friday, and then 44-36 to 36 to end the year. Um, I know I saw on their uh, Twitter account that, um, Liv Becker and Aiden Casey and Abby Ryan were all selections for the CSL All-Conference team. And uh, senior Hannah Schneiderman um, was awarded the CSL Sportsmanship Award uh, for the team as well. 
So, I mean, um, obviously some uh, losses to Maine South kind of set them back in a fight for the conference title. But, guys, I feel like you saw um, a typical neutral team were obviously well-balanced, a lot of great shooting, a lot of scoring from different places, solid defense, and uh, a team that really, um, other than maybe a few matchups here and there, uh, really competed well throughout the year. Yeah, the Nutria girls, um, like you mentioned, uh, they, they had that tough start to the season um, uh, where it was delayed even farther. And then they, you know, they condensed it even more. But going 12 and 7, um, 7 and 3 in the division, um, second in conference, you know, just behind a, a pretty powerful Maine South team that went undefeated, um, is a nice season. And, and they placed a bunch of kids on the um, all conference team. Um, and they, you know, they, Coach Terry Rogers said at the beginning of the season, they're really playing for their seniors. And I think they did. They got a lot of time on the court um, in a really small, you know, playing 19 games in six weeks is uh, no easy task. And they did it and they completed it. And uh, actually five weeks, I'm sorry, for the Nutria girls, because they had a week delay. So 19 games in five weeks. Um, so congrats to them and kudos to, to the girls who made the all CSL team. Very cool to uh, watch them be able to uh, put together a season like that. And like, like, like we've said all season long, I mean, obviously this has been a, uh, a weird year, obviously, for all the sports and uh, just to be able to play so many games and have to deal with, deal with COVID and uh, protocols and all that kind of stuff. So congrats to all the local uh, basketball players on great seasons, getting through it uh, all. And, um, I know I saw a lot of people who were just grateful to be there and grateful to actually play games this year, given the circumstances. So uh, congratulations to all of them on being uh, getting through a season and for the memories that they made that I'm sure will uh, definitely last a lifetime. Um, to finish things off, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, wrap things up here with the winter season where we had the new Trier uh, boys swimming and diving team competing in their conference championships over the weekend and uh, where thanks to a great team effort, they earned a co-championship uh, of the CSL South division um, with uh, Glenbrook South, they had two conference champions there. And um, I know guys that uh, obviously was a, a weird year for a lot of sports and that kind of stuff, especially swimming Some swimming, you kind of had a few meets here and there and you just had to get a mad scramble there, but um, good for the new Trier uh, boys swimming and diving team, just to get a chance to uh, uh, earn a share of a conference title for a program that's historically uh, used to obviously competing for state titles after uh, earning uh, division titles as well. Yeah, it's just great that they all, you know, got to get all those meets. And I think they probably got, and for swimming, you know, it's usually just once a week. I think they were able to do that and maybe a couple extra. So again, great to get those swimmers at least some time in the pool. And we talked about how important it is really to just get student athletes back in their routine um, for mental, physical, social health, everything all encompassing. So I think it was big for all these programs to, to do just that and win a conference title on top of it. Yeah, very cool for them to be able to do that. And uh, just to wrap things up here in our uh, uh, layup line as uh, the clock is getting ready for the start of the podcast. I don't know why I'm just going with this thing, but whatever. Um, the Nutria uh, girls. Uh, the last layup. That's, that's, yeah. that's the craziest I'll go. <laughs> uh, the Nutria girls bowling team competed in what we talked about was like a, um, kind of a state tourney, tourney where you had virtually teams uh, competing against each other for a pseudo championship and uh, the Nutria girls bowling team finished 15th in that. So congratulations to them and all the local uh, winter uh, athletes. Congratulations on a crazy season. Hopefully by this time next year, we're 
talking about regular uh, titles or talking about hopefully teams going down to Champaign, competing for state titles and super sectionals and sectionals and all that kind of stuff. But uh, good to get everything on this year and hopefully uh, good to um, get a season in at all. So let's move on over now and start the game. I don't know. We're just going to start the first half here and uh, talk about football here. We're going to start things off with the Loyola Academy football. Are you team. ready for some football? Exactly. <laughs> um, where we, uh, the Loyola Academy team enters the 2021 spring high school football season with uh, a really talented roster here, guys. Um, they have 15 returning starters, a bunch of guys um, who are going to be playing football in college. And um, I, re- I know, Marty, in your season preview, uh, you had Coach John Holisick say that um, it might be one of the deepest teams compared to even any of the state title uh, teams, which is kind of crazy and kind of kind of makes you uh, wish that we obviously had a full season, obviously, but um, we're uh, football fans and happy to get whatever we have. So um, just to get a layout of the year, the Loyola starts its season on Friday at St. Rita on 730 uh, p.m. They host Mount Carmel on the 27th of March. They're at Brother Rice on April 1st. They play Bennett Academy on April 10th, and they play Marist on April 23rd. And they actually still are looking for a week five uh, opponent here. So um, I don't know, guys, if you guys want to try to put together a football team and take on the Ramblers, I don't know how <laughs> good uh, that would look and how many torn ACLs we would suffer in the first two minutes of play. Spoiler alert, it um, would not look the- good. It would not look well at all for uh, one team. I won't say which team, but. I feel like you guys at home can guess which team that would be. Um, but I mean, so why don't we just get things started here with general stuff, guys? Just obviously a very talented football team, a, a, a team that obviously is competing for a state title every year. And um, it's kind of crazy to think that this year's team could be one of the best teams that John Holosek has had just based on the college talent that the Ramblers had this season. Yeah, this roster, guys, is just absolutely loaded. Collegiate, ta- collegiate talent everywhere you look. Um, you mentioned it there, Michael, 15 re- returning starters, which is a, a very high number. Um, obviously, that's a significant number of starters on both sides of the ball. Um, so in 2019, which was still a, you know, a very successful season for the Ramblers, um, they were a little bit junior heavy in their roster. They were getting some new guys. They were putting some new players into some new roles and sort of figuring things out as they go. And obviously as you transition into the next season, that creates some um, excellent experience and and great varsity level um, experience and opportunities for the players going into the next year. So now they've got this 2021 roster and it's just primed, loaded and, and ready to go. And, you don't hear uh, Coach Holosek compare teams too often to those to some of those state championship teams. And I mean, he was thrown around 2015, and you don't hear comparisons to that team too often. Uh, I'll let Joe jump in a little bit more uh, since he had a chance to cover some of those earlier Ramble, Rambler teams a little bit more than uh, you and I, Michael. But uh, obviously, we had a chance to see the 2018 championship team and the incredible finish to the season that they have that they had. He, he also mentioned that this year's roster in the same breath as that team. So just in a general sense, you know, if this were a regular season, I think we'd be talking about one of the top two, three, if not the best team in the States and in the state. And we'd be looking for them to make a, a very serious run in the playoffs. And we we'd probably predict them to be in that championship game once again. Yeah, man. Uh, read, read your, preview with some excitement Marty you know I kind of knew 
the the general scope of what I was about to read, but just reading the ins and outs at every level and what they're bringing to the table was just it was it was fun to read, and I'm sure hopefully it's getting Rambler fans excited because they're going to be able to watch and root for uh, a dominating uh, team. You know, it's no easy path through the CCL any year, anytime, um, e- even in down years for some of these schools, but there aren't many of those. Um, so they're going to run through the gauntlet early with, with Rita Carmel and rice uh, rice on a Thursday night special before good Friday, by the way, uh, which is awesome. Um, so uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good competition. You know, that 2015 team could just run up the points, uh, which, you know, I point out, especially because Loyal always keeps their opponents low. Um, their opponents aren't going to pile up the points, but when they're, doing on offense what they did that year. And I think they can do this year with, with Pemberton and Thomas coming back and um, some wide receivers. And they're really pumped about their tight end, which I'm really interested in seeing because you don't usually see big tight ends anywhere in the high school level. Loyola's um, usually, uh, I can't remember the last big one at um, Loyola. So um, that'll be fun. Nutrier's got one too, teaser. Um, So (laughs) I'm excited um, to see what that hopefully I'm going to get out to a few of their games um, this season and see what they're putting out there. But I, I really think we're going to see something special makes you wish there was a championship game so they could run into Lincoln way East again, wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my alma mater, by the way, uh, I went to Lincoln way was one school. That's why I root for all Lincoln way teams. Um, so uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, you play with what you got, right? We got five weeks. Well, they got five weeks right now. Hopefully they get that six game in, but um, that's what's in front of them. And I think they're going to put on, put together something special. And that's almost the perfect way to put it, Joe, in saying that, you know, the success of the Ramblers is just so frequently built on elite defenses and keeping opponents in check and, you know, holding them to, to very low scores. But when they pair those elite defenses with, explosive offense offenses and talented players on that side of the ball, that side of the ball, that's when we get the the state championship teams. That's when we get the, um, you know, teams that are really, really special. And obviously we also get those teams in the years when, you know, maybe their offense isn't as talented as it is this year, but you just, you just look at some of the names they've got on offense this year with Thomas coming back at quarterback and then, Pemberton in the backfield again, and then they've also uh, plan on featuring Maldonado pretty significantly. Um, he, he was a big contributor in 2019. And then it's a wide receiver p- position. They've got Perry on McClinton coming back um, who, who contributed in, you know, multiple facets of the, of the offense in 2019. Um, and then coach Holosek talked uh, very highly of Aiden Brownlee, who also was a, a big part of what they did in 2019. He said, he'll be a real uh, explosive part of their offense, not only, uh, out of the wide receiver slot, but also in returning um, punts and kickoffs. And then the tight end position, as you mentioned, Joe, with, with Kyle there, they're expecting big things from him. He, he's only a junior. He's already got a lot of college offers lined up. So obviously the, the only area we didn't hit on there is the offensive line, a bit of a loss on the offensive line with uh, Josh Crutes going down uh, to an injury early in the off season, but sort of next man up situation right there. They've got tons of collegiate level level talent on the line as well. So they should have a very strong running game. They should be able to do a, a lot of good things in the passing game as well. So that's going to be a really dangerous offense and the defense has talent everywhere. Also. So I don't, I don't know where you can get to this team because they're, 
going to be tremendously sound in, in special teams as well with one of the best kickers in the state, if not the best kicker in the state. So this is, uh, you know, one of those teams that is, is really special. You know, sorry, Michael, uh, stop by the practice to compliment your, um, your preview story, just to get a couple photos and just watching them. And this is pretty basic practice. Nothing. I didn't see anything, you know, crazy, but um, it looked like they were having fun and very comfortable um, with each other. Uh, obviously uh, they look big <laughs> um, on the defensive end. They look like strong kids. They, their front seven scary good. Um, I've never heard Halasek talk that, I don't know, passionately about the defensive line. You know, he's a, their linebackers always kind of following that Halasek mold. Uh, but to talk about that defensive line, like he did, that's going to be impressive. And you mentioned Perry on McClinton. Uh, he looked good. I only saw him for about 20 minutes. But uh, I got to say, I think he might, he might be a, a big difference maker for them uh, out wide. And the scary thing is, this is probably only, you know, maybe his fourth or fifth practice because he, he's involved heavily in, in basketball, as we mentioned. So he's been doing the, uh, the double sports that we've so often mentioned on this podcast that, that athletes are going to face because of these crazy seasons. So, you know, he might still be kind of getting into the swing of things. So for him to, to look that great and explosive already, you know, that's, a, that's another scary thought. But you mentioned it on the on the defense there, Joe, and just and in, in an overall sense, just from some of the uh, preview stories I've read in prior years of Loyola teams. At this point in the year, you know, obviously it'd be a we'd be in the fall, but at this early point in the season, you know, uh, Coach Holosek is usually one that's a little bit more reserved, it seems, and he usually sort of tries to tamper down expectations and maybe say. You know, we're, we're putting in a lot of systems still. We're putting in uh, we're putting in new guys at new places, so still trying to figure things out. So to just have him him talk so highly, as you said, Joe, and, and so confidently just makes me even even more so think of how special this team is. What um, I know this every year we talk about Loyal and we talk about defense, right? But if you guys had to choose which side of the ball, uh, you guys had to choose, and obviously, no disrespect to special teams or anything like that. But what's this team's strength this year? Is, is, is it uh, weird to say that a strength for a Loyola football team could be its offense, or are you willing? Are you willing to still say with the defense, where um, you just know what you're going to get from that defensive front, and um, anything you get out of the, out of the offense, uh, maybe in normal years would be gravy, but this year it just seems like you might have games where you're shooting up to close to 40 points or 45 points if uh, all things go well. So, I mean, which side of the ball do you guys feel like is going to be the one um, that for the most part in this weird year, that's going to kind of help the Ramblers uh, compete in games this year. I'm going to say it's still the defense. I don't know what you're going to do on offense because you get quick throws out maybe, but then their linebacker, core is going to run sideline to sideline and cover you um, and make tackles within the first five yards, if not sooner, they're going to put pressure on you. If you drop back the, the one game, of, they're, they're going to generate tons of pressure from that defensive line. And, and then if, if you, if you're trying to get throws out under that pressure, their defense defensive backfield is experience, which is huge for a defensive backfield in high school, uh, having that experience to know where to be, to play off your front seven, uh, man, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what offenses are going to do. I'm interested to see, you know, I could certainly be wrong, but reading it on paper and knowing them from the past, some of these guys, offenses are going to have uh, zero room for error. 
usually the teams we we see have some success against Loyola have a very strong run game. So you would sort of set that as the formula that can maybe um, put together a competitive game against them this year, because you're going to want to, not only are you going to want to make significant progress on offense and have long drives, but you're going to want to keep that offense off the field because we, we mentioned it, there's a lot of explosive talent there. So you're going to want to keep that offense on the sideline. And usually the way you beat a great defense is keep them on the field, you know, small, small plays here and there, and then the occasional chunk play that moves the chain. So you're going to want to keep the offense sideline and just try to grind out yards against that defense. But it's going to be so hard because I think the only area you're going to potentially have a chance to, to move the ball significantly against them is, is with a good run game and a huge offensive line that's going to be able to generate maybe, you know, some kind of small hole for a running back. And, and that running back is going to have to have both speed and power to go up, to go up against the defensive line they're bringing and the linebacking unit they're going to bring. So <laughs> it's a, it's going to be a rare combination of, uh, of what an offense is going to have to have to have success against the Ramblers. You know, you think about maybe what Mount Carmel might be able to do because they're usually have some, some creativity on the offensive side of the ball and look a lot to their quarterback to create situations but as joe mentioned if you're a quarterback facing this team you're not going to have a lot of time to make a decision you're going to be under pretty much constant pressure every snap so you're 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 going to have to have a creative quarterback who can work in space and sort of make things happen Uh, and we've obviously seen some some talented quarterbacks be able to do that but i think that's the uh the formula of what it'll take to to put some points on this team Obviously, guys, I know um, we talked about having a state championship and the state title and that kind of stuff, and that isn't going to happen, but teams are still going to be able to compete for um, conference titles. And for Loyola, that means uh, competing for a CCL ESCC Blue Division Championship. So um, obviously in their division, I mean, Brother Rice, uh, Marist, and Mount Carmel. And, um, I mean, just looking at the schedule and just looking against the teams they're playing this, I mean, this isn't any breaking news or anything like that, but I mean, this division is just stacked with talent. I mean, you have Willie Shaw for uh, Brother Rice. I mean, you have Pat Coogan, a good uh, offensive guard for uh, Marist. And you have um, – who else am I thinking of here? Caleb, you have um, – Caleb Brown at St. Rita is uh, – Yeah, you have Caleb the, Brown there at St. Rita. The top Rita recruit have, from, the, from the junior class who already has offers from the, uh, the big college players, you know, the likes of Michigan State, Alabama, those types of schools. Yeah, and it's just insane. I mean, obviously, none of this is new. And Benjamin Perry, obviously, for Mount Carmel, um, going on to Louisville and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we, we, we talk about the talent that the Ramblers have. I mean, I mean, this isn't new or anything like that. There's a reason why the CCL and the SEC wanted to combine uh, a little bit here. So you just get mega conferences and mega talented teams playing against each other at this point. But, I mean, um, for the Ramblers, for winning a conference championship, guys, um, obviously, the Ramblers are really talented. But it's not like they're going to have an easy walk in the park uh, winning a conference title against uh, some of these teams that are just, just a bear. I mean, even the playing, even though St. Rita isn't in the same uh, division, I mean, having to play St. Rita and having to play Bennett and that kind of stuff. I mean, the teams that they're playing every single week, it's just going to be a slog and um, you won't find many blowouts uh, in any of these games this season. You know, you wouldn't usually. And I think one thing that maybe, leads to blowouts in normal years is maybe a lack of prep or a lack of energy. You know, you come out a little dead. Sometimes that happens. And 
you know, a team in the CCL will put it on you early and you're in a hole. I don't know if we're going to see much of that this year because everyone's so pumped to get back on the field and play, especially for the few first couple of weeks. So that might be out. Um, I, I will say though, you know, just the enormity, you know, of, of the, the Ramblers attack, I bet we're going to see a couple of blots. I, I, maybe I'm just being a homer here, which I could be, but it feels like Loyola is going to put it on some people um, just by the nature of what they're bringing on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're confident with that. I mean, um, and they're excited to play. I think we might see a couple games that are a couple scores, you know, 45, 20 or, um, you know, if Loyal's defense comes to brings the house, you know, 28, zero things, something like that. And particularly, you know, in, in prior years, uh, I think maybe the year I'm thinking of most notably here is 28, the 2018 team. We've seen the Ramblers at time come out slowly and maybe have some early season slip ups. I don't think you're going to see any, anything like that this season, because as Joe mentioned, there's going to be such a sense of urgency and every single game means so much. There's, there's really no opportunity for a slip up. If you want to win the conference, you are probably going to have to go undefeated. Uh, one loss is probably going to put you uh, behind the eight ball and not able to, to catch up to who's ever ahead of you in the conference. So each game is going to almost be, I think, a playoff-like atmosphere in the sense that so much is on the line uh, for that end-of-the-season goal uh, of winning conference. And I think um, another thing that's going to allow, and we've only mentioned him probably because everybody knows the name Vaughn Pemberton, but some years Loyola goes into the year with a strong running attack, but they're not sure what's going to work best. You know, uh, this running back, that running back, more of the quarterback running, and they figure that out as they go along. This year, Pemberton's going to get the ball a ton as long as he stays healthy, cross fingers, uh, and he's going to be dominant. Um, we all know what he brought to the table, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, I think that's a huge asset to have that sort of stability in the run game that you can count on when you may, might go into maybe a passing slump or something. Um, I, I think Loyola's got that ball control with Pemberton. 16 touchdowns a year ago. So pretty, <laughs> pretty high expectations for him. And uh, Coach Hollisag mentioned he's, he's someone that they expect to move the chains for him. <laughs> So uh, we'll give you folks a preview of their opener against San Rito toward the end of the podcast after we uh, preview new trier. But why don't we uh, bring in John Hollis-Signalis? Uh, I know you, uh, Marty, you got a chance to catch up with him. So um, why don't you mention uh, what you caught up with uh, John over there, just getting ready for the season, what the folks at home will uh, hear as uh, we get ready uh, to hear from the man himself. Yeah, we had a little bit of a lengthy ish, uh, interview. I had a little bit of a lengthy interview with him, so we'll sort of abbreviate a little it a little bit for our listeners here. But we covered uh, all facets of the game from offense, defense, and special teams, and then had a chance to also discuss uh, what it's been like getting back out there uh, and seeing the players getting the chance to uh, to compete here. So obviously, a, a much different season than years prior with the with the huge layoff between game action. Um, so a, a little bit of an adjustment period here now as, as practice and contact is, is getting into, into full force, but, uh, we, we covered quite a bit and we'll, uh, we'll break it down to some, some quick hits with coach here for our listeners. All right. Well, let's take a listen here. Defensive side of things, coach, how's the, how's the unit looking as a, as a whole and maybe to, to start things out, how's the defensive line uh, shaping up this year? Well, uh, our front seven is pretty amazing. I think um, you know, Mike Williams is a, 
unbelievable nose start as a sophomore and I get better. He's going to be a junior. He, he's great. He's a, a smaller wrestler type, but really physical and fast. Um, Low and center then, of gravity type. Yeah. And then next to him is Amaru Kenna, who's getting better and better. Um, started a bunch of games last year, but then uh, the, the, the other end is uh, Brandon Spetz, who's committed to Harvard, mm-hmm. also was, you know, big time offer guy, but uh, committed to Harvard early. Um, two outside linebackers are scholarship types, but one, you know, Brady Mullen is going to Dartmouth, Liam Conahan is doing, uh, going to Eastern Illinois, but um, multiple offers, uh, very talented, very long, very big kid guys. Inside linebacker, Captain Dan Nicelli, two-year starter, uh, joining his uh, Jason Kusabov, who committed to Rhodes College to play football. Um, and an inside linebacker, so, you know, we, we think highly of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Sa- safety, Marty Hour, and, and then James Cruz, Josh's younger brother, we are going to be, a, I think, the strong point, definitely a strong point in our defense, the, the, uh, the two senior safeties. Mm-hmm. And then at corner, we got a returning starter, Artis Benjamin, with a huge upside. And... Uh, Danny DeRigo is going to step in for the other corner, along with Will Harris. Good athlete, committed to Yale for lacrosse, uh, but a junior. Um, That's about it. A lot lot of names to go through, I'm sure, a lot of names to go through. And how are things looking on uh, on special teams, Coach? Obviously, I'm thinking Nate's probably coming back uh, to to take the kicking position again. Uh, But but how how are the special teams units looking? Rowley's an excellent turner, and obviously Nate will probably go down as the best kicker in Loyola history. Um, You know, the guy that's recruited by... Uh, big Ten schools doesn't come often, so mm-hmm. looking forward to a big year for Nate. Yeah, yeah. Now heading into heading into week one, coach. What's the uh, what's the message to the team? Um, obviously, as we talked about, a bit of an unorthodox year. How you how you trying to prepare the team for this uh, for this weird season, for lack of a better term? Well, first of all, we have to stay the course and stay healthy. Keep COVID problems away from our team, so we actually can play. But uh, then, just just like usual, you know, we're dissecting what Saint Rita does best, and they have a ton of talented players, including one of the best. Um, I think he's probably the number one recruit in the state for junior class, um, Caleb Brown, who got offers from everyone, like Alabama, Ohio State type kid. Um, so we have our work cut out. They have other you know, scholarship players, so their speed is going to be there. They're going to have some dynamic playmakers. But as a team, we feel like you know, if we play our game and uh, rely on each other and know where we are, <laughs> um, I think you know, we can beat anybody. Of course, yeah. if you don't play well, we can lose to anybody in our schedule because you know, we're playing four out of the top probably 15 teams in the state for sure. Thanks so much, John, for joining us. As always, always good to get you on the podcast and always good to get your insight. Um, obviously, a lot to look forward to. Like I mentioned before, we'll break down St. Rita um, for you guys toward the end of the podcast. But why don't we move on over now to the second half of the podcast. Um, but before we do so, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, we're going to do the second half on the new Trier uh, football team, um, a team that's also senior heavy and has its sights set 
sites said on a conference crown. Um, obviously, um, they'll be playing the CSL South this year. On Friday, they started off hosting Glenbrook South. On the 26th of March, they are at Niles West. On April 3rd, they host Evanston. On April 9th, they're at Glenbrook North. On April 16th, they're at Maine South. And um, I don't know whether we helped influence this or whether they were going to do this all along. And, um, we just kind of were, didn't, we put two and two together a little bit too late, but um, it'll be like a bowl game, I guess, whatever you want to call it against the CSL uh, North opponent. Obviously, if the uh, Trevians win the CSL South Division, they would be playing for a conference title there. Um, but um, last time we saw the New Church Trevians, we saw a team that um, started off slow, was very young and trying to figure out exactly um, who they were. They kind of got things together toward the end of the year. But um, this year's version, I mean, you have a team that is very uh, experienced, who went through um, some tough games, who went through some tough moments. And uh, now, guys, they're ready for, uh, for a chance to really uh, compete and try to win a CSL South title here. Yeah, they're coming into this year with high expectations, Michael. And I also had a chance to, to catch up with Coach Dahl and talk about this year's team. And uh, right out, he said, you know, one of the goals is to win the CSL South this year. And that's a um, that's going to be a, a key goal for the Trevians team. And you, you set it up there perfectly, Michael. Very similar to Loyola in the sense of in 2019, they had a little bit of a, a younger roster, relied pretty heavily on uh, on some juniors stepping in for the first time. And then as the season progressed, we started to see a lot of these, uh, a lot of these juniors grow in uh, to their roles and become a lot more confident and, and develop uh, much more, more effectively. So now heading into this 2021 season, they've got a, a lot of experience on both sides of the ball that was generated from those, uh, those learning moments in 2019. So I think on uh, it's in all three facets of the game, similar to Lowell, they're going to be a very sound, very strong uh, ball club you you start out by looking at the offense where quarterback Nevin Cromascoli is back for them he's only a junior started in 19 for the Trevs and got some pretty good run there as a sophomore so obviously when you're when you're playing in the CSL South and you're only a sophomore there's going to be some growing pains there's going to be some learning experiences so he's come back this year and coached all said he's very happy with the 18 month offseason that he had and he's really pleased with his development and they're expecting uh, big things, big things from him this year. And then you look at their skill positions, Brody Roth is back for him in the backfield. Uh, he did some really nice things in 2019. We saw some explosiveness and some really good signs from him. Uh, he's back for him. And then at the wide receiver and tight end position, there will be anchored by Tyler Harden, who was a big part of the 2019 team. And then a, a newcomer, a junior Alex Mendez this year, uh, who coach Dole spoke very highly of. So, uh, they're looking really good on offense, um, a big replacement. And I should mention the tight end pos position there. They've also got Finn Cohen coming in at tight end, actually going to be his first varsity start. Um, and we've talked a little bit about him in, in our basketball coverage as well. He was a, a, a big contributor for the Nutria basketball team, but it's going to be his first uh, varsity start on Friday night. He's a big tight end. He's already got uh, tons of collegiate interests. Um, I think they're, they're putting him in at about six, five, two thirty. So, they expect him to be a really big part of the offense in the, in the blocking and the running and the passing game as well. Uh, and then on the offensive line, big, uh, big contributor to replace David Davikoff, obviously one of the, uh, one of the best players in program program history and 
Um, Joe had a great st story at the end of last year um, detailing that uh, David has already uh, graduated early from Nutria and started his football career at the, uh, at the University of Iowa early. But they have some, uh, some big juniors that they're looking forward to, to stepping in on the line and helping them out there. So I think we can expect some, some really nice things on the, uh, on the off offensive side of the ball. I'll let Joe jump in and then we can uh, touch on their defense quickly here too. Yeah, I think it's going to, you know, uh, center on Kremiscoli and not to put too much pressure on um, a junior QB. But, you know, again, I, I went out to check the team to, to get Marty some photos for his preview. And uh, just looking at um, Nevin, uh, he looked bigger. And he I don't looks think he looks big from those photos. Through height wise, he's always been, you know, over six foot, but he put on pounds um, and, uh, uh, muscle that is not just uh, not just weight and he he competed in a lot of quarterback camps in the past 16 months like Marty said and he got a lot of praise um, from a lot of people so a lot of private quarterback coaching too um, so I think he's gonna bring a pretty good element to this offense a very stable element and to get the ball into the hands of playmakers like uh, Mendez, Harden, and Roth I think really helps him out and Cohen so uh, it's diverse. It's probably more diverse than we've seen. You know, they like to really pound the rock, but I think they got some bigger playmakers, more explosiveness with Mendez and Harden, especially Roth is going to be your tailback, but I think they're going to try to get those guys, the ball in space and see what happens. Um, and then deliver the ball to Cohen um, in the middle of the field. And I think Kremis has got the arm to do it. So um, it's going to be fun to watch, you know, David Koff, as you mentioned, leaving is a huge, but is a huge, uh, um, disadvantage um but i think they make up for it. at least they they're talking like they are and it's hard to judge an offensive line without seeing them in, in some game action and sometimes it takes a bit but they're big um and that's that's a big first step uh for a team that's going to tote the rock so uh, i'm pretty excited about what the, i think they're going to be exciting i think they got a good matchup with gbs in, in the first round uh first week i should say kind of is like a round um <laughs> um yeah uh diverse offense um, playmakers, it'll be good. Yeah, and from some of the the new trier teams you've covered in in years prior, Joe, and you can touch on this. I think Coach Dahl and his offensive coaches, you know, they're really one of their really strengths is being able to get the ball into the hands of those playmakers, and then once they get into the space, once they are able to get into open space, you know, big things happen, and they're able to put up some some big offensive numbers we've seen in, in years prior from the Trebs. So um, obviously the pandemic is not something that anyone would ever want to happen or no one wants it to help it again. But do you, do you guys feel like um, that layoff between the end of the fall season to now, do you feel like that kind of helped Nutrier where like they needed that extra time to obviously get bigger in the gym and work on stuff and that kind of stuff? And do you feel like, um, again, in a very bizarre way that they benefited from this time away from the sport and, um, now they have this team that's really talented and, and has really kind of been able to grow um, from the last time that they played uh, football in 2019. That's a good point, Michael. Um, and I would agree with you there. I think Nutrier, um, the whole area and the township is kind of known for its, um, you know, its advantages and resources. You know, it's a, it's a privileged area. And I think they have and they take advantage of it where they can. And that, as they should, you know, these athletes um, can get training at elite facilities from elite people, from um, talented individuals. And I think they take advantage of that where they can. So um, I think that helped them and, and the extra time in the weight room 
uh, probably help make up for the loss of Davidkoff. But um, uh, that's a good point. I do think that has helped in that respect, and it helps communities like this one um, kind of catch up and make up some ground with long off seasons. So let's take a look at this uh, CSL South here. Obviously, um, they started off the season against Glenbrook South, and they have Niles West, Evanston, Glenbrook North, Maine South. Um, obviously, this podcast has always been uh, uh, one that respects Maine South and what it's able to do. Um, but obviously, two thirds of it, also, I think. <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously, Glenbrook South has been able to compete the last couple of years, and last year ended the season strongly and is bringing back a lot of its players. And Niles West plays tough, and um, Evanston always has uh, talented players, and it has uh, Sebastian Cheeks, who's um, got offers from Notre Dame and high end schools, and Glenbrook North obviously always plays get tough. So, um, what what do you guys feel about this year's version of the CSL South and where Nutrier kind of plays a role in figuring whether they can actually uh, win a division crown here. Yeah, it sounds like this week one matchup against GBS is, is going to be really a really intriguing, interesting matchup. Um, Coach Dahl actually said that GBS is probably going to be the biggest team um, size-wise that they're going to face this year. So he, he even mentioned probably a little bit bigger than Maine South. Um so that, that's a really tall task in week one, facing a team that's got a little bit of a size advantage on you. And obviously from some of the uh, Glenbrook South teams we've seen in the past, we know that when they have talent, they can run the ball, they can eat the clock, they can keep games very close and then sort of take advantage of uh, any turnovers or miscues. And we, we kind of saw that in the, 2020, in the 2019, excuse me, matchup of these two teams. It was that weird week with the two-game affair where it started on Friday and then had to conclude on, on Saturday because of, of rain and weather. But um, the Titans bested Nutria, I think it was 16-9, to nine, uh, in that game. And it's still Coach, – Coach Dole mentioned it's still kind of fresh in their mind, and a lot of the players remember that game. And they, want, they are really looking forward to the chance now to get back at the Titans and sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, dish them what they served – uh, to them in 2019. So I think, you know, although it's week one, this is one of the matchups I'm, I'm really looking forward to throughout the season and really excited because I think it's going to be a really close game. That's going to be decided by, especially in, in week one, it's going to be decided by the fundamentals. Who's going to be able to uh, avoid penalties, avoid miscues uh, and just play their game the best that they can, because I think we will see some rust. We will see some sloppiness here and there from both teams with the, with the 18 months of no game action, but this is, this is one I'm really looking forward to guys. Yeah, I think it's, um, I'd like to kind of point to that week three matchup Saturday afternoon in Northfield before uh, the day before Easter with Evanston, that's going to be a riot. Um, I think Evanston brings a lot to the table this year. If I'm wrong, they bring back um, a lot of their playmakers um, from a pretty talented team a season ago. Um, so I think they're going to bring, you know, I think, um, it's going to be tough to catch up with um, some of those big playmakers Evanston has for Nutrier's defense, and uh, they're going to put points. We might see a bit of a shootout there on that Saturday, um, which will be fun before Easter. So I think that and GBS and, and, you know, the other teams in the comments bring it too, and there's there's one down in, I don't know, at the end of the schedule that might be pretty good, but I think Nutrier's going to take care of them. <laughs> yeah, Evanston. So, uh... Sorry, Evanston, Marty, Evanston's going to be a really interesting team this year because the the big name they'll have to replace obviously, obviously is Quadre Nicholson, 
who was a huge part uh, of their offense for, I think, three seasons. Um, and, you know, the times that I was able to watch them sit, watch them play and he was healthy, pretty much got the ball uh, three out of every four plays. And they looked to him very frequently and relied very heavily on them. But similar to how Nutrier is looking forward to the growth of Kremaskoli, they're also looking forward to um, the growth of their quarterback. I, I believe it's Sean Cruz, who I had a chance to to see him in 2019. I think he was only a sophomore. Uh, he's got a really big arm. He can do a lot of things in the pocket. He can run um, huge arm. He connected on some really big pass plays and that was only as a sophomore. So I anticipate his junior year. Now he's going to be able to, to lead this offense and, and do some pretty creative things for the, uh, for the Wildcats over there. So this, I, this is going to be a really strong conference. I think this season. So we obviously talked at the beginning of the half talking about Nutria's goal of winning the conference. Do you guys, is that possible? Do you guys feel like Maine South holds on to it for the billionth year in a row and that kind of stuff? I mean, where, where do you guys see um, Nutria and its hopes of being able to actually win a conference title this year? I mean, I'm giving, I'm giving them the conference title. Um, if I were to put money on it, I'm not giving it to him, I shouldn't say, but if I were to put money on it, I just like what they're bringing. I like the diversity of talent um, and at multiple levels. I think Glenbrook South is going to be obviously a litmus test, but um, I think they take care of Glenbrook South, but it's going to be a tough battle, and it tells them a lot about themselves. They gain the momentum with Niles West, um, and that, and that kind of leads to maybe a surprising um, couple touchdown win of Evanston, and they build that toward Maine South. And then, then we got the season finale, you know, huge ball game uh, on April 16th. So uh, I like them, their chances. Um, Maine South's the favorite, but I'd put them not too far behind. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to agree pretty heavily with Joe there. Um, I think this is going to be a really talented Nutrier team. And the part of the team that we haven't been able to touch on yet might be their, their biggest strength. And that's their defense. They're returning uh, nine starters from 29, from that 2019 team to this year's team. So They've got a lot of experience there, tons of speed. That's one thing um, I heard from Coach Dahl in my interview with him. So I think they'll force some turnovers on defense. They'll create some pressure um, from that defensive line, and they'll be a bit of a problem for opposing offenses. So I expect some big things from their defense. It's tough to say with Maine South because, you know, so often um, we can just – we sort of just pencil them in a, a, at the top and um, – We've seen them vary a little bit from year to year, and it usually kind of depends, uh, similar to Loyola, on what their offense looks like. The, uh, the really dangerous Maine South teams are when they, they pair their usually really good defense with some explosive playmakers on offense. So just from reading some of the coverage, early coverage that's been out there uh, preseason-wise from the Hawks, it looks like they will be bringing back a senior quarterback. So that's – interesting and usually that's a, a good indication for a lot of teams and usually that signals that there's some experience and some um, some leadership in place on offense so that could be something to watch out for but I'll, I'll be really interested to uh, to follow the Hawks in the early weeks here to see how they um, line up with some of the teams they're going to be facing um, and then yeah I think there's a there's a pretty strong likelihood that both teams will be uh, on that both teams that is Maine South and Nutria will be undefeated going into that matchup. And that's the one that will sort of decide the, uh, the CSL South crown. So why don't we hear from uh, Brian Dahl now, before we uh, move on over to our picks for the week one uh, actions there. 
Marty, I know you also got a chance to catch up with Coach Dahl. So uh, why, what are the people going to hear here as we pre- uh, continue our season preview? Yeah, similar to the, uh, the previous interview we played back, we, we had a pretty lengthy conversation, touched on, on offense, defense, uh, special teams, uh, what it's been like for the Trevs getting back out there. So we'll give some of the, some of the highlights from Coach and some of the areas where, where this team is looking to really excel this year. All right, let's take a listen. To jump right into it here, Coach, obviously a, a bit of a longer offseason um, <laughs> with everything that's went into it, but how'd the offseason go for the team and, and how's the roster looking headed into week one here? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think we're really happy. We had a really strong nucleus of returning seniors. Um, you know, we originally played, obviously, in the fall and then, you know, having those kids back and... Uh, we spent a lot of time when they were juniors kind of developing them, and we took some lumps, obviously, as they were juniors, but we committed to playing them. So we felt really good with the nucleus of who was there. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's changed is we obviously had a uh, you know, a national recruit in David, David Goff, who has already graduated and gone to Iowa, so that's going to be a notable absence yeah, from the team that people are going to, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, he's going to be there on Friday night. He's coming back from Iowa to watch the game, but he's not going to be on the field playing. He's going to be on the field cheering. Yeah. <laughs> so, Obviously um, tough to replace a guy like that on the offensive Yeah, line. so that's not really something that we look to replace, but we do have two pretty big-sized junior linemen that are stepping in and kind of learning the ropes. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to see what they're made of. Obviously, on Friday night, it'll be their first varsity experience. But, you know, two big kids. And Luke Elias and Jesse Mendoza will both be, uh, you know, first, first varsity games. So that, that'll be nice. A uh, big thing for us, though, is we do have a returning quarterback that we had moved up as a sophomore. And now that really matured into what I would call a, a physical presence and mentally, you know, just a much stronger understanding of the game. And, and Devin Kremzikoli, who will be our starting quarterback, um, will, will be one to watch, and, you know, as he, as he plays this year. And then obviously... You know, moving forward, he really spent his 18-month offseason getting stronger, faster, developing his arm strength, working with a lot of private quarterback trainers. It looks really good. So I'm, I'm really happy with how he's, you know, moved along in, in, in his uh, development. Where we're, you know, strong on our, our defense is really our speed. We have a lot of seniors. We only have one junior currently starting, so we have 10 seniors starting on defense. Uh, actually, we have, I should say we have, we have nine. nine. We just moved one. We just moved a kid the other day. So we have nine. One on our defensive line, a junior, Charlie Zazula, and then one cornerback, Alex Mendez, and the rest are, are seniors. The seniors all have varsity game experience. Um, so that is solid when you're, when you're you're trying to go into this shortened season, knowing you got a little comfort in guys knowing what they're doing or mm-hmm. have a good understanding of what's going on. And we're probably led – Really, by maybe one or two guys at each level, uh, Luke Wojewski, Luka Wojewski, our uh, defensive end, is, is a returning player who's very good. Uh, two linebackers that have a lot of RC experience, Max Dancy and Brody Roth. And then in the secondary, led by two returning safeties, and uh, Tyler Harden and uh, Ryan Rittner. Those, those players at all those different levels really gives us a lot of confidence that our defense will you know, do some of the simple things like line up right, tackle well, be aggressive, you know, have an understanding of how to play varsity football. Um, so that's good. And then kind of going back to offense real quick, uh, Brody Roth's a returning running back who, you know, did have a good junior year until he, the junior year, you know, suffered a little bit of an injury where he had to pull back. 
doubt is we have a, a junior tight end that's probably a Division One caliber type tight end. Uh, he'll be playing his first varsity game. He'll only played football for one year, so it's kind of a tricky situation for him having all his time off and coming in. But mm-hmm. uh, Finn Cohen, who's also a starting basketball player. Yeah, I was um, going to say I recognize the name from our basketball yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah, so he's really uh, he's pretty special. He's a pretty special football player. Um, we look to you know do some good things with him this year. You know, even with the shortened season, I can I can see him being a weapon that we will utilize. Um, it'll be fun to watch. Thanks so much, Brian, for joining us and always giving us a uh, good insight on what we're looking forward to in the season. And uh, why don't we just finish things off here and get ready for uh, week one as we are ready for Friday night football. And uh, yeah, Friday night for both uh, area teams is going to be different because the season starts off cold um, as opposed to being used to the uh, last few weeks of warm weather. But when the season starts, um, unfortunately, PVP is dead. So we don't have uh, <laughs> too many picks to make this year. No champion to look forward to this year. Um, but why don't we start off with uh, Nutrier and Glenbrook South here competing. Um, against each other, the game at Nutrier. Um, like you guys have mentioned a lot of times already before, um, big test for both teams, big test to figure out um, what the season is going to look like for each respective team. Um, I feel like it's going to be a big uh, battle uh, between the lines. So uh, what are you guys feeling are the keys to this game uh, for the Trevians as they start off against the Titans on Friday? I think the key uh, for Nutrier is because, you know, uh, GBS is bringing that big offensive line um, and, and that the first run game they always do is to get them off the field, not to let them uh, bleed the clock and control the game, control the time of possession, get them off the field and get the ball in their offense's hands. Um, I think they can do that. Um, but I also think they're going to both be figuring out how to, how to get in the end zone. Um, in, in game one. Um, so I think um, we're looking for a new Trier win. And I'm thinking about, uh, let's say they had a field goal to 24-17. Marty, what do you think? Yeah, Joe, Joe covered a lot of what I wanted to hit on. Uh, <laughs> and you probably know this better than anyone, Michael, but you know if the, uh, if the Titans start the game with the ball and they put together an eight or nine minute drive and put some points on the board right away, you know, it's, it's deflating to the other team and it shows that, uh, that they're, they're going to be a problem all throughout the game. So I think Joe said it perfectly in trying to get some, some quick stops, trying to get the Titans off the field pretty quickly. And then getting that, getting Nutria's offense to work and getting some of those talented players that we talked about, getting them in space. And then, uh, you know, nothing swings the momentum in high school football, like big chunk plays and big quick scores. So, um, I think that's what they'll try to do early on is try to get a little bit of a feel like Joe said, and then maybe put together a couple of those um, explosive plays and take some shots there to, uh, to try to maybe deliver an early punch to the, tw- to the Titans. But I actually had my score written down before Joe went in um, and gave his, and mine was 21 17. So that's how, um, that's how close we're, we're both aligned on that and how we think this game I am going to give Nutrier the edge there. I'm going to say 21-17 Nutrier. I think it's going to be decided on a late score, and it could it could really come down to who has the ball last and who has that last chance to put points on the board. But these are, I think, really comparable teams, and in the areas where maybe they're, where Nutrier has some strength in terms of playmakers, um, I should say advantages over Glenbrook South in terms of you know its playmakers and uh, 
some speed on its defense. I think GBS can neutralize that with, with the size they have and the, uh, and the senior leadership they have on offense. So this'll, this'll be a really close one. And I think uh, a late score for the Trevs and they, they survive week one in Northfield here. All right. Well, let's I think move we on need over your prediction though too, Michael. Oh, um, I think I'll go. Um, I don't know. I feel I don't obviously covering GBS a lot of years. And maybe I am a little higher on them than maybe uh, most people, but I think neutral will square it off. 21-17 sounds kind of right to me, but um, I feel like a 17-14 game um, kind of sounds better. I feel like um, offenses, obviously sometimes the first few games are a blowout, but um, I think offenses might take a little bit just to get used to things. Um, so I'm going to have a 17-14 neutral win um, against GBS on Friday night. Um, so let's move on over now to uh, the Ramblers who faced off against the Mustangs of St. Rita on Friday night at St. Rita. Um, like we've talked about before, not uh, not a small pass to play against St. Rita, against Caleb Brown, probably the he is actually the ranked the top uh, player, high school prospect in Illinois for the 2022 uh, class. So Loyola will not um, really uh, have much time to uh, really uh, take some time and get into it as they have a big opponent to face off against St. Rita and Brown. Um, what are you guys thinking are keys for the game and how will the Ramblers fare um, on Friday night? Yeah, I think the big key for the Ramblers, as you mentioned there, Michael, is keeping uh, – keeping Caleb Brown in check because he's obviously immensely talented and is one of the, the best high school players in the state. So um, I, I'm sure they know that as well as we know that and they'll be game planning for him and preparing how to, how to slow him down on offense. But I think the Mustangs will keep the game close in the first half um, sort of maybe we'll, we'll head into halftime at about a one score game. But then I think in the second half, Lowell is going to flex its muscles. Uh, and show that they've just got more depth, more depth than the better, better team. So I'm going to go 31, 14 uh, Loyola gets the win uh, in week one here. Wow. Big score here. We're not too far off, Marty. I think uh, both of you nailed it. It stopped Kaylee Brown. Um, I, maybe, maybe contain him as much as, as stop him um, or more than stop him. So, uh, but I think Loyola's defense has the embarrassment of riches where they can, um, favor Caleb's side while also putting pressure on the quarterback and, and plugging the run holes. I think that they have the capability to do that and the, um, the coaching to scheme that out. So um, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, Caleb, they're going to find a way to get him his touches, even if it's in, uh, they're going to move him around, even if they have to do screens and stuff. But I don't think the quarterback's going to have time to drop back and, and get him a deep ball, um, at least for most of the game. Um, unless they get the, the run game working. So stop Caleb Brown. And on the offensive end, um, I think uh, St. Rita might key on Pemberton. So I think key for Loyola is um, finding some reliable receivers and reliable spots for JT Thomas to succeed. Um, and I think they have the personnel um, to make him look pretty good. So um, I'm with uh, Marty. Uh, I had a very similar score in my head. My, my first inclination was 35-10. Um, and I think Loyola keeps it at about – um, a score or more from, from the first quarter on? Um, I think um, I'm going closer than you guys. I, I just don't – we haven't seen these teams for 18 months. I am not very confident. I mean, I'm obviously confident in Loyola 
um, being able to put up points and obviously having a strong defense. But I think there are a lot of variables into what is going on this season and what is going to ha- be happening in this first game. So I actually have a 28-21 uh, game uh, oh, for the Rams to start things off. Um, some weird uh, scoring going to be happening, but I feel like that's just where we're going to get with the season. You're going to have weird games. You're going to have uh, field goals, field goal misses, safeties, all that kind of stuff. I mean, fumbles. I mean, the, you, these guys haven't played in 18 months. And um, especially in the first week, I just think it's going to be unpredictable to see um, what exactly happens. And I can't wait to be completely wrong and have Loyola win by like 20 points because that's just usually how it ends up going um, <laughs> for that kind of stuff. With your score, 28 for Loyola, are you saying four touchdowns or are you saying seven Van Zell's field goals and a touchdown? I feel like seven Van, uh, Van Zell's uh, field goals <laughs> sounds good. He's trying to get that Badger uh, leg going um, and that kind of stuff. So I feel like what that you, sounds more fun. What do you guys think the furthest uh, Coach Hall is going to give him the chance this year? You think he's going to give him something from 50? I, th- oh, I, I think, think he gives him 50. I think he gives them more. I think he's going to test them. I think oh. I think there's going to be a spot in the season where Loyola stalls a drive with like 10 seconds left in the half, and maybe they're not really worried about a Hail Mary. You know, they don't need it. So <laughs> they let Venzels go from like 58, 60. Wow. Just to see. Nothing to lose. If that yeah, happens. What's the, yeah, you might as well. If you got the leg, might as well do it. Yeah. All right, well, obviously you guys can tell that we're excited about football coming back, and I'm sure everyone is really excited. Um, if you're going to be pl- uh, going to the games, I know obviously there are a limited amount of people who are still allowed to go to games um, and that kind of stuff. It's going to be 30, so uh, bring up your coats, maybe get bring some hot coat. chocolate going. Really uh, make sure you bring the hand warmers as well because it's going to be a cool night uh, to start the season, but obviously everyone will be excited. And um, for those at home who uh, won't be able to go to the game, I think both games are going to be live-streamed. Um, somewhere you'll be able to find that on YouTube and NFHS Network somewhere. Um, so make sure you follow the um, Twitter uh, pages for both teams and they'll have that information for you there. But um, obviously we're all really excited for football. We're excited to have it back. It's going to be very different. It's going to be very uh, not at all what we're used to, but we're happy to have it. Um, like we're uh, happy to talk about it as well. So that's everything that we have for this week's episode of the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, hopefully you guys want to jump back and listen to other episodes of the podcast as well. We're known for going on rants against the IHSA and for talking about a lot of different stuff. So make sure um, you subscribe and give us a nice little review as well. Spread the word as well as uh, more uh, reviews and that kind of stuff, the more ears we uh, get to talk sports. And so for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Hopefully you guys enjoy the football and enjoy all the high school sports. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.